0: Good morning. Good morning. Just wanted to give you a, a quick update on Pastor John, uh, if you didn't see my email. He, uh, he does not have COVID-19, which we're all very happy about. Um, what he evidently had was a very, very nasty case of the flu. Um, and uh, one thing I realized after I sent the email out last night explaining that he did not have COVID-19 was to mention that he also was feeling better. Uh, and that I think he and Harry both strongly believe that. It was not that long after I sent out that prayer request that the turn happened. Uh, they were right on the verge of going back to the hospital, and uh, his temperature dropped, and uh, he began to feel a bit better. So uh, keep praying for him. I would imagine he's still not feeling great today, <laughs> but uh, hopefully better than yesterday. So... I grew up in the, in the Catholic tradition, and the Catholic tradition is like a lot of, uh, of traditions such as the Lutherans and uh, the Anglicans in that they have kind of a high church model of church, and, and, and high church really is just a way of describing uh, a liturgical church, and by liturgical what I mean is there's a lot of reading and repeating of prayers and things like that. Now there's n- absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, some people love that style of worship, and and that's great. You know, we uh, one of the things that the Vineyard has always done is to embrace all of the different streams of Christianity. Um, you know, because they all eventually flow into the same river, right? And so there's nothing wrong with that at all. But one of the issues that I had with it when I was growing up was that I just noticed that nobody seemed really tuned in or plugged into it. It's like they just—they had said these words so often that they had lost their meaning. right? And so they were just simply repeating something for the sake of repeating it because that's what the little missalette, uh said to do. And what occurred to me today is that uh, because we take communion every week, there is also a danger that we could begin to take it for granted as well and simply go through the motions of receiving the Lord's Supper without really thinking about what we're doing. And so um, what I was prompted to read is um, a portion of what Paul wrote uh, to the Corinthians when he was trying to correct some abuses that were going on with the Lord's Supper in their gatherings. So this is from 1 uh, Corinthians 11. And um, there's a portion, starting at verse 23, that is where we get what we call the words of institution from, which is what the pastor will say every week. You know. But there's then at verse 27, there's something that I think is very instructive for us, uh, really, in what we're supposed to do every time we participate in the Lord's Supper. And so let me start reading here at verse 27. So this is 1 Corinthians 11:27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with, regards, with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not f- be finally condemned in the, wor- in, in the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together it may not, be, it not result in judgment. So that's part of what he was writing to them about that the, some folks were evidently hogging <laughs> the bread and, uh, and the cup and not allowing others to eat. And so the important takeaway from this is this idea of self-examination. That before we partake of the Lord's Supper we really are supposed to sort of examine ourselves. And, and do a quick inventory and, and you know Lord am i right with you is there anything in my life that I need to correct is there anything in my life I need to stop doing is there anything in my life you want me to start doing that I'm not already doing uh, and and so we, we take that time to do that self-examination and then that prepares us to partake of the Lord's Supper and so I want to give us just, let's just say, about a minute. And I'd just like you all to, to, to do that, just to do a quick prayer of self-examination to ask the Lord to reveal to you any area or part of your life that he would like you to uh, correct in some way. It may be a, a positive correction. It might be something he wants you to stop. Um, but know that when the Lord speaks of those things, he speaks very lovingly. And so it's not going to feel like you're being condemned of something. God's very gentle when he wants us to, uh, t- to stop doing something. It's, it's a very, it's a very l- just as you would expect a loving father to do, right? You know, you don't, hopefully, you don't yell and scream at your children to get them to, to make a change, because that generally has exactly the opposite effect. Um, what you want to do is very lovingly and gently point out to them, hey, it might be better if you didn't do that. And that's the way God speaks to us. So like I said, we're going to take a minute and uh, just do this uh, little bit of self examination. So come Holy Spirit. So Lord, I thank you for your correction, your rebuke. Lord, whatever you spoke to us, Father, we know that it was in love and it was for our good. And so we agree with you now and know that we are once again washed clean by your blood. And so having taken this moment to prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper, we now uh, come before you. And we remember that on the night that you were to be betrayed, you took the bread, you offered it up to heaven, to your Father. You broke it. and you gave it to your disciples and you said take this all of you and eat for this is my body given for you and when the supper had ended you took the cup and again you gave the father thanks and praise this cup too you gave to your disciples your trusted friends and you said take this all of you and drink for this is the cup of my blood the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. And now if you haven't already, there are some uh, individual servings of bread and juice that should be in a little holder in the chair in front of you. And if you want to partake of communion, you can take uh, those the very top layer you peel off and you find a little wafer and then there's a second layer that you peel off to get access to uh, the juice. So Lord, I just ask now that you would bless this simple meal of bread and of cup that you would make it be for us your body and your blood. That you would consecrate it now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it, Lord. And we thank you for this means of remembering just exactly what you have done for us. And so now, the body of Jesus, given for you. And the blood of Jesus, shed for you. Thank you, Lord, we ask that just as the food we eat in our three meals, of day, uh, meals a day strengthens us for the work that we have to do and the, the, the living of our life, Lord, I just pray that this spiritual food would strengthen us spiritually, that it would allow us to, to do the work that you've called us to do. And so we just give you thanks that we have the opportunity to do this every week. And we pray that it would never become just another religious thing that we do. All praise, honor, and glory are yours and yours alone, O Father. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we were uh, supposed to hear from Pastor John today. but. Evidently, he wasn't prepared, and so he went and, and, and got a really bad case of the flu just so he wouldn't have to be here. I have a sense he's watching, so this is just my way of poking him a little bit, because I know that's not what he did. <laughs> but Pastor Chip has graciously agreed to fill in, and so uh, would you uh, welcome him as he comes?
1: Don't clap, you don't know what I'm going to say. It's always scary when you get the text on Saturday. I don't think I'll be able to preach, and that's what Pastor Jeff and got and from John. But actually, God had been speaking to me this week, and um, sort of along, I think, the same lines of what John was going to talk about, but we'll see. Would you bow your heads with me? I really don't like to do anything without God. Let's just begin to pray. Chip, why do you always do this? Because I don't want to do anything without his presence. Amen? If this is like, oh, he's going to waste our time and do this, then you're missing the point but would you begin just right where you're at to just thank God, begin to invite the Spirit to come and minister to your heart? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Lord. (coughs) Press into him. As you press in, you'll feel the atmosphere shift. Come, Holy Spirit. Is anybody in here struggling with immense fear? Immense fear. I just feel led to pray for that. Father. Somebody's struggling with fear, would you touch them right now in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Father, if anybody watching is struggling with bursitis, in Jesus' name, I speak to that and command it to be healed, Tendinitis. since somebody has lost range of motion in one of their limbs, maybe an arm or something, like they can't lift it or they can't do anything with it or something, I'm not 100% sure. In Jesus' name, we declare that healed right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. To do with anything, but okay. So, we are in a series called, um, you know, we're in a series about the Holy Spirit. We're in a series about kingdom ministry, essentially. And Pastor John was going to come and he was going to talk about love, but he wasn't able to. And I've been kind of just watching TV, which is (laughs) dangerous these days, watching the news, watching what's going on in the world, hearing what's going on in people's family. And then I've been doing something else really, really crazy that I think a lot of Christians should try. It's called reading your Bible. And (laughs) when you do that, things begin to open up and you begin to see things happening in the world that are in the Bible. You begin to see how to handle things and how to handle situations. And you begin to see things that are happening in your family and how to address those things, how to deal with those things. And as I'm watching things go crazy, I'm watching a world locked down by this invisible virus thing. I'm watching race wars. I'm watching looting. I'm watching politics. I'm watching, you know, Families I know fighting over, you know, children going crazy. I'm watching all kinds of stuff. I'm watching people in financial hardship. I'm watching California on fire. I'm watching people literally getting in fights and shooting each other. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, how much worse can it get? And then I'm watching political ads. And my gosh, you can't even watch the news without Joe Biden sets houses on fire. Donald Trump's going to come to your house and steal all the food out of your fridge. Like these ads don't even make any sense. So I'm watching like all of these things and the world's going crazy. And then I see the church just sitting there. And I said, you know what, with all the protests and all, I think it's time for the church to protest. Amen. I think it's time for the church. Calm down. Don't get worried. I think it's time for the church to revolt against the way the world is behaving. Excuse me, I have allergies. I pray for the day I can cough in public again. But um, yes, amen, praise God. It's time for an utter kingdom revolt, amen? I began to think, how has Jesus called us in a time like this? We want to talk about living supernaturally. That's more than miracles. It Really, it is. It's more than miracles. I begin to say, what what is a kingdom revolt, Lord? Why is that term in my mind? Is it because I'm naturally a rebellious person? Is it because I'm naturally somebody who likes, you know, hey, I'm going to fight for the little guy? Is it natural? But God said, no, it's because my kingdom is the government that I want my church to represent. Amen? And I look, and I see the world, and I see families falling apart, and I see political systems falling apart, and I see... All these things falling apart, and God showed me so clearly, He said, The stage has been set perfectly for the church to show the world who Jesus is. The stage has been set perfectly for the kingdom of God to come. We have a broken world, doesn't matter your politics. Doesn't matter your views. The world's coming unraveled. We have broken families. Divorce rates are high. You know, we have families that are out of jobs. We have kids running off who grew up in church and I don't want anything to do with it. And the stage is set and we have a world that is looking to God the Father and they are crying out, "God, where are you?" God, where are you in the violence? God, where are you in the virus? God, where are you in my finances? God, where are you when my husband and my wife lost her job? God, where are you? And as the world cries out brokenhearted for God, the father looks to his church brokenhearted and says, where are you? Why won't you do anything? You're my body. You're my body on this earth. The world is shaking a fist at God, angry, saying, don't you care? And God is looking at us, his children and whom he loves and saying, don't you care that your brothers and sisters are going to hell? Don't you care that your neighbor is suffering? Don't you care about what's happening? I'm not talking about your political views. I'm not talking about your social views. I'm not talking about your race or socioeconomics. I'm talking about you as a child of the king. As the body of Christ. Don't you care? Because our father's heart is broken. And he's asking us to reconcile this world to him. Amen. Gone are the days where church is a Sunday morning activity. I hate to tell you. I'm sorry. I, I loved it. We all did. You we'll wake up Sunday morning, turn on your favorite preacher, get dressed for church, do your hair, cook breakfast. I don't know. Maybe y'all don't do all that. I don't really do my hair because that'd be weird, but... You come into church, you're high-fiving everybody, hugging everybody, getting coffee, sit down, worship's rolling. You get blessed, you get full, you get filled, you go home. You might go to a small group, and then you come back to church on Sunday, and that's just the Christian life. Every once in a while, somebody passes out here, gets healed there. Every once in a while, so something great happens, and we get this spiritual high. Every now and again, we go to a conference. We're really big Christians, and we go to conferences. I took off work to go to that conference. I paid $100 to go to that conference. But look now, it's all shut down. We're just now really getting back in the swing of things. And now it feels kind of weird to just go back to normal while everything goes crazy. So you have a Bible in front of you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.11. I've read this scripture many times. Preach the scripture many times. I'm going to give you a chance to actually find it. I don't have it on the screen. Excuse me, I'm transitioning from singing breath to speaking breath. The stage is set, and the Father's looking to us. It says this. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others, I love this, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. Here we go. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels, say compels, Compels. it compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Who should we not live for? Ourselves but to him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, we know this scripture. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. That God what I'm not done, don't get excited. That God, some of y'all haven't read the Bible this much in a year. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. He has committed to us the message, committed to who? To us, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's kind of a mandate. That's how to respond. You see, the world is telling us how to respond. The world says, this is what you do when everything falls apart. This is the solution. This is the answer. If our solution as a church looks the same as the solution the world has, are we really any different? Are we really any different? If we're doing everything that the world can do, what's the point of having Jesus? What's the point of having the Holy Spirit? What's the point? If all of our solutions look exact, if our solution is let's fight, if our solution is let me complain, if our solution is let me bash somebody, if our solution is let me ignore, the world can do that. There's nothing supernatural about being a jerk. We're good at that all by ourselves. That's not, it's not, it's nothing special. That's not a fruit of the spirit. It might be a fruit of your spirit. It's not a fruit of his, amen? Amen. so verse 11 said that, and I'm just going to go through the scripture. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others what is plain to God. And I want to get down. It says this on verse 13. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Church, we have to begin to address the world's problems and respond to things on a supernatural level. And we are going to look out of our mind. I kind of said that last week in something the Bible says that the cross and all of the things of God are foolishness to the world. When you begin to respond to things the way Jesus does, you know, Jesus, he, you know, y'all know who I'm talking about. Like when someone's dead and you walk in and heal them and raise them. When someone's sick and he heals them. When they said, We only have this fish and, the, and these loaves and he multiplies them. People are going to say, You're crazy. You're foolish. When people begin to bash you and come against you and tell you all these things about how terrible you are, and you stand there and you take it. I shouldn't have to take it. It's not up to me. I'm gonna uh, I'm tough. I'm gonna fight. I never saw Jesus posture himself like that at all. I did watch him get whipped and beaten and, and killed. I did hear him say I could call legions of angels. I could. He said that. The disciples said, please do something. He said, you, he said, I could call legions of angels. Now, if you were in trouble, wouldn't you do everything in your power to get yourself out of it? But that's the way of the world. That's not what Jesus teaches. We have to realize that our way of responding isn't going to look normal. We have to realize, our, and I'm not saying don't protect you, I'm not saying all that, but you get what I'm saying. We have to understand that our way of responding, the world is going to say, you people are out of your mind. You people are crazy, and there's not a higher compliment the church can be paid. There's not a higher compliment than, I don't know what's going on with those people. I mean, really, and, and there was a movement in the 70s called the Jesus People, because it was a bunch of hippies. And all this crazy stuff's going on—protests, wars, violence, racism—and they're just over in the corner playing an acoustic guitar and worshiping. What are they doing? I don't understand them. They're crazy. I believe God's lifting up that same kind of movement. We're not to ignore it. We're to engage it, but we're not to engage it as the world engages it. We're to engage it from a kingdom level, amen. And when we do that, people are going to say you're out of your mind, and you're going to go, "I know." I'm not thinking with my mind. I'm thinking with his, amen? The more I think with my mind, the more trouble I get in. The more I think with my mind, the more problems I cause. The more I think with my mind, the more selfish my life becomes. So it's okay. It's all right. Verse 14 says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This one is something that, I, that I've struggled with because I am the type of person, like I said earlier, if I see someone being oppressed or I see a group of people helping someone, I am the kind of person who will join them and will help them. And God's had to correct me on that a time. And here's why. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, I think most of us are Christians in here, the kingdom of God, the cause of Christ, becomes your number one allegiance. There is no other movement. Amen? There is no other group. There is no other morals. There is no other belief system there's nothing else that's what the Bible says we sell out to him amen I'm sorry if this is too much I don't get to promote this agenda or think that agenda is going to save us or think this agenda is going to fix us I know the only agenda that will fix us is Jesus Christ and him crucified amen the only agenda is the blood of the lamb the only agenda is the preaching of the gospel. Amen? The only agenda is the spread of the Holy Spirit. You can't promote and be all about all these different things. I'm not saying we shouldn't support things and we shouldn't give to things. But what I'm saying is if I go on your Facebook, (laughs) or I go in your house, or I look in your yard, or I go to your job and talk to your friends, or I talk to your family that you had dinner with that you don't really like having dinner with, but you do it anyway. Am I going to see Trump, Biden more than I'm going to see Jesus? Got quiet up in here. Not even the crickets said amen. Am I going to see political stuff more than I'm seeing kingdom stuff? Have you read more on Fox News this week or on CNN than you've read in your Bible? Because that's where my source is. I see this is my filter. Not Sean Hannity. Not Anderson Cooper. Here. I like people like the Apostle Paul. Jesus Christ. God the Father. Moses. <laughs> I mean, these are some reputable people. We have got to get folk. Our cause is not political. Our cause is Jesus Christ died for everyone, and we want the family to be as big as possible. Amen? We want the family to be as big as possible. There's not one person Jesus doesn't love. There's not one person Jesus doesn't want. There's not one person the Father's heart isn't broken over because they're lost. That person you can't stand, that person you just Mm, you, you know you get a feeling when you see them you ever seen some I think I think I probably shouldn't quote this in church pastor Jeff's like then don't <laughs> I think it might be from anchorman but he or it might be from stepbrothers I don't know I don't watch those movies because I'm holy but <laughs> if I did there might be a line in one of them where he goes there's just something about your face it's real punchable I just want to punch you right in the face and he says, "Oh yeah, what well, is Talladega Nights?" He said, "Was well, there anything I can do about that? No." But there are people like that. You, there's just something about them that's punchable. We all have. We see them, and we just God, I can't stand. But Jesus loves them as much as He loves you. Amen. Jesus doesn't love anyone any less, and that's why our number one cause is His kingdom. Our number one belief system is what he believes. We have made a terrible habit in Christianity of twisting the Bible to fit our agenda instead of twisting our lives to fit his. We've made a terrible habit of saying, well, he actually meant this. Well, he actually meant this. Well, he actually said this. Well, technically that means that, but if you take it to the Greek and you take it to the Hebrew and then you make it up right here, wait, what? No, it's only only Jesus. That's it. Everybody say only Jesus. It's only Jesus. If you, That's all. Jesus 2020. Amen? It's only Jesus. It's always only Jesus. It'll always only be Jesus. There'll never be anyone better. Never has been, never will be. Since before time began. There's only one Messiah. No one's coming to save us. They've already come. And what's so funny is, I'll get to it in a minute. <laughs> There's some suspense in there for you. Verse 16 says this. <laughs> so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do, not, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are new creation, and the new is come, the old is gone. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I struggle with that one. What? I'm breaking down the scripture yesterday, studying it, because this God has put the scripture on my heart all week. And I go to the concordance, and I go to the, all the study tools. And I don't know why, I just... And what God kept bringing back to me, I couldn't quite escape it. So I, I left it, but it, we <laughs> it's, it's so clear. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's what I got hung up on, a worldly point of view. And then I started thinking about how God sees me and how God sees you. Wh- have you ever thought, how does God love me? I don't mean, in a, I'm sure you have in a shameful way, but that's not what I'm talking about. When you think back on all the stuff you've done, all the places you've been, God still chose to save you. God still chose to love you. It's because he doesn't see you from a worldly point of view. You see, God sees in every individual who they can be when they're reconciled to him. God doesn't see a crackhead. He sees who they can be. God doesn't see... A terrorist, he sees a Paul. You see, because Saul was a terrorist killing Christians, most Christians would have most likely written him off. But in one encounter with Jesus, made him into one of the most culture-shaping individuals of all time. God sees people as they can be, and that's what he wants from us. So often we view people at their lowest common denominator. You'll never be anything better than that. You'll always be that. Look at that person over there. They're crazy. They're messed up. They're this, they're that. When in the reality of it all, God has called you to prophesy to that person who he sees them as. He has called you to speak to that person, the heart of God for their life. You don't have to be this way. You don't have to be shackled. You can be free. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be bitter. You can be reconciled to God. So many people, you hear this all the time, I'm going to find myself. I mean, everybody's done it. I'm gonna, everybody said that when they thought they were cool at one point in their life. I'm just trying to find myself right now. You've been with yourself your whole life. You still haven't found them? The reason is this we're made in God's image. Until you find Him, you'll never know you. And once you find Him, and once you begin to tell people, if you want to know who you are and who you can be, be reconciled to God, that's when things will change. That's when their lives will change. And that's the ministry. We're not called out to go out and say, I'm going to go trigger somebody. <laughs> We're not called out to go, oh, I'm going to go to this rally and talk bad about this person. I'm going to go out here and talk bad about the police. I'm going to go over here and talk. We're called to say Jesus Christ loves you. You can have life and have it more abundantly. He loves you. We may disagree politically, but the kingdom is the kingdom, and when these systems fall, it will still stand. Amen? Because guess what? All of this isn't going to last, but heaven will. And who you brought into that kingdom is what's going to matter. That's what's going to matter. Who have you reconciled to God lately? You want to know how are you met? Let's have a fireside chat. How do you measure your spiritual life? Is it hours in prayer? Is it chapters in Bible? Is it miracles you've seen? Is it visitation? Because my question for you is, how many people have you led to Jesus this year? Really, just ask yourself. Last year. Year before that. Year before that. Year before that. Some of y'all are still in the ones. And that's okay, I'm not shaming you, but I'm telling you to wake up. I'm telling you... What's the point? I'm telling you, let's do this. If he really, really, really means everything to you, and he really is this great savior, and you really believe what you say you believe, let's start preaching the gospel to people. People we don't like. People we don't want to be around. 20, it says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassador as though God were making his appeal through us We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made, I love this, God made him who had no sin, this being Jesus, to be sin for us, that in him we might become righteousness. The righteousness of God. This means as an ambassador, we're representing our kingdom and our government. Our government is the kingdom. That means we live by the laws of that. Have you ever seen someone, has anybody ever seen Coming to America? That's a funny move. Have you ever seen someone who's come to a foreign country or maybe you've traveled to a foreign country and everything the person's doing or everything you're doing in that country just seems very weird? Because culturally it's different. You're like, gosh, I wouldn't do that. Gosh, I wouldn't. That's weird that they're doing that. That's not how that works. I remember I went to Cracker Barrel with a British person and they ordered fish and chips. And they're like, and a beer. And they're like, oh, what? It's just quirky little things. That's how the world is going to look at us when we start living according to the kingdom, because we are foreigners trying to navigate a world. We are spiritual, supernatural beings trying to navigate a natural world. This means we live by our culture. That means when you hear people saying, they're coming, they're going to attack us, we're going to die, or you hear people saying, you know, you're nothing, you're useless, that means when people are coming against you and you want to fight them, we have to actually live by the things Jesus Christ said, amen? Because like I said at the beginning, supernatural is more than miracles. Supernatural, let me just name some of the teachings that I believe the world could benefit today. From the church, just living them out. And the world will view them and say, what? That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Matthew 5.43 says this, you have heard it that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. That's a pretty radical idea nowadays. Love your neighbor. Pray for your enemies. Those who persecute you. <laughs> I love, you. You gotta love everybody. There's no way out. I've searched the Bible. There's no escape clause. There's never a time where Jesus goes, you know what, except for them. Yeah. Jesus isn't gonna be sitting in heaven, and one day you're gonna find the one person in the Bible you don't have to love. Be like, Daddy, got it! That's not happening. Love our enemies. Those who look different, act different, offend you, vote different than you, love them. The same way you love everybody in this church. Same way you love everybody in your family. Matthew 6.15. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you of yours. You can come back up, Kyle. Forgive no matter what. Are we living a life of forgiveness no matter what? Because that will change our culture right, right around us in our own homes. Forgive no matter no matter what, no matter you don't know what happened to me. I don't need to know, no matter what. Matthew five thirty-eight. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to them also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt off and give them your coat as well. That's not very American. That's not very. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Get mad at him. Jesus. The same Jesus who was led and beaten with a cat of nine tails and did nothing. The same Jesus that had been hammered to a cross and raised up as the weight of his body fell on the nails. And his blood dripped down in front of his family and his friends. And his body quaked in pain. He didn't curse at them. He didn't say, I'm going to get you back. He didn't say, I'm going to come down there. And he said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. He didn't call the angels. He didn't fight them off. He prayed for forgiveness. And finally, what I believe is the trademark of the church and how God can use the church in this generation. And when I say generation, I mean all of us. Matthew 5, 9. You can go ahead and turn the lights off whenever you're ready. It says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. See, the world can't make peace. The world can't actually produce peace. Even if we have peace in our nations because one country is more powerful than the other, so nobody's fighting, that's not actually peace. That's fear of war. True peace in the Bible, shalom peace, means everything as it should be. That means every party, everyone involved is at peace. And the Bible calls the church peacemakers. And the Bible says that when we are peacemakers, they will then call us the children of God. We're the children of God. Amen? I want the world to see us that way. So next time you see a fight. Next time you see a debate on Facebook. Next time you see an argument. Next time you feel something rising up in you to get mad at your spouse or your child. Next time you see a situation you can remedy. Remember that scripture. Remember the words of Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's a pure peace. It's a heaven peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Let's stand together. In a moment, we're going to move into ministry time. And if you need prayer for anything, our ministry team will be around the room. But can we pray together as a church for peace in our world and in our families? Would you just lift your hands right now? Father, it's only about you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand together right now as a church, believing that what we do in the Spirit has an impact on the world, and we command spirits of of, of division, spirits of disunity, spirits of violence, spirits of brokenness, whether it be in families, in our streets, whether it be in Washington or in our own capitals, wherever it is whether it be on a government level or a home life level. And we command the peace of God to be released. We release that peace of God right now. Yeah, I sense the peace of God filling the room. Father, for every person in here, let your peace overtake them right now, Lord. Lord. Just receive it church. Just receive this peace. and Just receive it. If you need prayer for anything, Cindy and Andre and Pastor Jeff will be around the room and myself. I'm more than glad to pray for any physical, mental, or emotional needs. If you need to accept Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, and you're online watching, all you got to do right now is just say, "Jesus, save me." Jesus, save me. I accept what You did for me on that cross. And I give my life to You. you for your peace, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.